Well, hello and welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where you can find practical help for the heart and home as we ponder life from a biblical perspective, as well as a weekly digital dose of discipling to help equip us to be effective in the opportunities that God places before us to further His kingdom. I'm so glad you decided to join us for this Ruth study. I'd like to answer a few questions here. Someone asked, do I need to buy a book for this study? The answer is no. No extra book is needed. Only your Bible and a notebook for you to take notes. The next question was, is there a cost for this study? No, there is no fee for this study. It's all free. Freely I have been given and freely I give. I will be covering a portion of the scriptures each week in the podcast. Question number three, what if I miss a week on the podcast and I can't listen? You can always go back to momentswithmoni.com at my website, and you can listen to every single episode that I have recorded for free. Number four, if I want to go deeper in the study than what's on the podcast, how can I do that? Well, you can open your Bible and dig in there all by yourself. I will also be posting some free downloadable worksheets on the blog at momentswithmoni.com. You can print these off and use them to help you as you study. And the last question for today is, how can I help support Moments with Moni? Well, first of all, I would appreciate your prayers for Moments with Moni, that this podcast would continue to be salt and light in a dark world. You can also go to momentswithmoni.com and share one of the episodes with a friend. And the third way to help is to go to momentswithmoni.com and click on that bright yellow button to buy me a coffee or three If you haven't noticed by now, everything you need is at momentswithmoni.com and fill out that pop-up request for your email so that you can receive the Moments with Moni newsletter by email so that you won't miss a single episode and that you can stay up on all the important information and upcoming events. I hope that you had an opportunity to read through the book of Ruth this last week and to gather up your supplies so that you could listen in today and write down anything that might come to mind as you're listening, so that you can look and dig deeper into God's Word. I hope you managed to find your Bible, digital or paper, a notebook or a journal, a pencil, a pen, crayons, markers, those are nice too. Oh, by the way, I got some markers that are called midliner markers, midliner creative markers, and they come highly recommended. And so far, they're working very well in my new journaling Bible, and they're not bleeding through. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you, Glory Winders, for the nice tip on the markers. And before I begin reading, I'd like to say that I cut my teeth on the King James Version. That's my foundation. That is what I like to read although I will be sharing from other scripture versions as well. But I prefer to read the scripture from that because I 
check into the meaning of the words from there. I know that some are possibly King James only versions. I'm not. I like to look at all of the versions and what they have to share. But I know that speaking a different language, I speak German as well as English, that sometimes words don't translate exactly. And I know that the uh, English version, as good as it is, any of them are not the original language. I don't speak Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, so I like to read the King James Version first and let God speak to my heart, and then I do some more digging in other versions, in commentaries, or listen to others. So, without further ado, let's begin the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Now it came to pass, in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them, wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Well, if you're doing a Bible in a year reading plan, then it's okay to keep going. But there's a lot packed into these first five verses. We've seen tragedy and death, and it covers about a 10-year period of people's lives. So here in this study, we're going to stop there in those first five verses and dig a little deeper. Verse 1, now. Stop right there. The Hebrews... In their grammar, when they use now, it connects what is going to come after that to what just came before it. And we already spoke about that. And that was, and that was last week about the judges and how there was evil in the land and how everyone did what was right in their own eyes, which applies to the next portion after now. It says it came to pass. That happens five times in Scripture. It implies an impending doom. And in this case, it's referring to when the judges ruled, which was just before this took place. So it was in the recent past of the characters' lives. What happened was that there was a famine in the land. And what was the reason for this famine? Well, I mentioned last week that we will be going back to Leviticus, that book that is filled with words that make you fall asleep when you read through it, unless you're digging deep and you're enjoying this journey into God's Word. So let's turn to Leviticus 26, verses 18 to 20. This is a recording of what God will do, the punishment that He will give the His children for their disobedience. So in verse 18, it begins, 
from the English Standard Version. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron, and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. And again, we find such warnings in Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting in verse 23. And the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. And the Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. And another warning from God in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 28 for his people. Israel, be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Here in Ruth is one of the examples of famine being mentioned in the Bible. There are 13 mentions of it in the Bible, all a result of not keeping the law. Remember, during this time in the Old Testament, the people lived under the law of God. So to recap verse 1 now, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah, Bethlehem Judah was uh, translated as the house of bread. So this man, an Israelite, that lived in the house of bread, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Sojourning is an act that is supposed to be a temporary thing. As a verb, it's translated to dwell for a time, to dwell or live in a place as a temporary resident or as a stranger, not considering the place as his permanent habitation or as a noun, a temporary residence, as that of a traveler in a foreign land. So it looks like this man wanted to get out from under the heaviness of a famine in the land and move to a better place. But to take him, and as we'll find out later, his wife and his two sons, he took them to a place called Moab. In Genesis 19, we find out why God calls this place his wash pot, or waste pot, or toilet, if you want to use a more modern term. There is a story in Genesis 19 that explains uh, how Lot and his daughters, and something that happened between them, caused them to be known as the Moabites and the Ammonites. And you can read that in Genesis 1930 to verse 38. And verse 2, and the name of the man was Elimelech. There's an interesting story going on in Ruth behind the names of all of these places and people. I don't know if you know what your name means, but it might be worth checking into. The name of this man was Elimelech, which meant God is my king. So he's leaving the place that God had his people in Bethlehem, Judah, and going to God's washpot, but his name means God is my king. 
There's no mention of why he's doing this. I don't know. I guess you can guess, but um, there are only going to be assumptions. Sometimes we run away from things that we know are what God wants us to be doing. And yet, for some reason, we feel like we need to do something else. Could be. Elimelech decided maybe he wanted to take his children to a place where there was food, something simple like that. I don't know. But let's go on. And the name of his wife, Naomi, which means pleasant. An interesting note, Israel means pleasant land. And the name of his two sons, Malon, which means sickly or pining, and Chilion means wasting or consumption. So God is my king, took his wife pleasant and his two sons sickly and wasting into a different country called Moab or God's washpot away from the house of bread and continued there in the sense of not thriving, just existing. Sometimes we think the grass is always greener on the other side, but obviously right here it wasn't. They didn't go from bad to better. They went from bad to about the same. And we continue in verse 3, and it says, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. We have to understand that this was a patriarchal society. So now that Naomi has no husband, she is now in the hands or the care of her sons. Now, I don't know how much time passed between verse 3 and verse 4, but it says, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. Now, remember, the Moabites and the Ammonites were a people that God wanted his people, the Israelites, to not marry into. They were not to be a part of those cultures. I don't know if these sons waited until their dad died to go out and get themselves some women, or after a reasonable amount of mourning, they sought themselves some wives. The name of the one was Orpha, and her name means mane or back of neck or stiff-necked. And the name of the other was Ruth. Now, Ruth's name means a female friend. After these two sons married, they dwelled there about ten years. So here, in just these few verses, we see them going from sojourning to a temporary move to continued or existed in that area, and then now here to dwell, or which means to dwell, remain, settle, to marry, to make a habitation, to settle down. Our everyday choices are really important. We see here the dad, Elimelech, he decided to just kind of step away from God's house of bread for just a little bit. Let's go see if the grass really is greener on the other side. And of course, while he's there, he dies. And his sons, well, they decide that hey, the women look good here. Let's just grab a couple of those and hang out here for a while. In fact, why don't we just settle down right here? Right here in Moab, God's washpot. And then in verse 5, we see that Malon and Chilion died. Both of them died. So now we have this woman, Naomi, 
who has no husband and no sons, and she was left all alone in this country. I say all alone because, remember, it's a patriarchal society. So without a man in your life, you have nothing and no one to take care of you. So we've gone from famine, no food, to no family. From tragedy and death to more tragedy and death. In Israel, no descendants was a curse on a woman. So here Naomi has no children, and she has no chance of having grandchildren from her two sons that have just died. So in five verses, we have a 10-year snapshot of what this family has gone through. Now that we've made it through this section of scripture, it's important to remember that we are looking for the historical, grammatical, and literal interpretation of what we're reading. So it was written to the Jews. That's important to remember. It's also important to remember that it was written during a time of the patriarchal society where the men were in charge of everything and caring for the family and running things. God has given females much more freedom in his word and in this world right now through Christ and the sacrifices that he has made for us. It's also important to note that this has taken place during a different covenant period than what we are living in as well. It's easy to focus on ourselves and try to picture ourselves in the story and see what it is that we think we should be learning from this. But the outcome of Israel's covenant promises is different than that of the church. And actually, as we go through the book, here we will see why that's so important and how it's displayed through this story on a deeper level. Now that you've listened to the podcast today, remember to apply soap liberally this week. Choose a scripture from today's lesson. Write down your observation of the text. Consider how to apply it to your own life and write a love letter to the Lord in prayer. And don't forget to check out the blog at momentswithmoni.com for more information and free downloads. And while you're there, feel free to leave your comments and your questions. Until next time, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life.